Hi and welcome to Two Sober Chicks. I'm Lisa. I am Julie. And as we like to remind you whenever we remember, we are not professionals. We are not therapists. That's probably evident. What else? We These don't. are our own thoughts, feelings, and opinions. We don't represent anyone. Right. Organization or institution. We don't work for a rehab center. We're not sober coaches. Uh, we don't get paid. Um, we made a decision not to uh, fund this podcast by um, ads. So Nothing you... but our blood, sweat, and tears. That's right. And Julie's credit card, because you do pay for <laughs> the website. Oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, we have to pay for our website to be able to host this. So that's the only thing that costs us money. Yeah, I will gladly yeah. do that. It's yeah. minimal Someone cost. said, oh, you could do that thing. Like, There's another great... Um, speaker thing that I listen to. It's all speakers. Like it's called Sobercast. And at the beginning he he says, if you want to drop a dollar in the basket. So he does that. I thought that was cool. It's just like a meeting, right? Yeah. They have that on that um, 24 hour a day sober site. Yeah. In the rooms. In the rooms. There's like a little PayPal button. So when the seventh comes around, you can like PayPal it. Oh, that's cute. But we don't do that. No. Um, Yeah. So thanks, Julie. We just want to guilt you. (laughs) Guilt you into gifts and offerings. We just want you to know that we're doing this completely as an act of love. Mm-hmm. And it's one of, I feel it's a way of service to give back to the community. Um, and we get to hang with each other. Yes. So it's So this is always this great excuse. We basically yeah. just put a microphone in between us when we get together. Like okay. that's how this all came about. We'll yeah. just record what we usually talk about. Right. And we... We talked this morning about something. I forget what it was. And then I said, oh, man, we should have recorded that. I know. What was it? What were we talking about? I can't freaking remember. We've talked about so many things today. Yeah. So we are at the 2019 Ontario Regional Conference, hashtag ORC 2019, at the Sheraton in downtown Toronto. It's amazing. Yep. So what's happening here today is, um, is it 5,000 a day or over the course of the weekend? 5,000 registered. And that's just a number that I'm guessing at. Last year, I think it was a little bit less than that. Um, But it's typically around the 5,000 ballpark. And the Sheraton has been, it's beautiful. And I love the setup. It's been great. I wasn't sure how it's going to work out because we're typically at the Royal York. Mm -hmm. But I really love it. Yeah, it's been fantastic. All the all the AA meetings are on one floor, and then two floors above are the Al-Anon meetings. So I've had a lot of fun with that. Mm-hmm. I was one of the greeters, as you were a volunteer as well. Mm-hmm. And um, I was joking with some people. They're like, uh, uh, where are the Al-Anon meetings? I said, find it yourself. You've been telling me what to do for years. <laughs> and then I laughed uh, and said, oh, it's upstairs, two flights. And uh, the AA meetings are downstairs, in the gutter, where we belong. <laughs> When I checked in, I said to the lady checking me in, Greta, I have a very important question for you before you you tell me anything. She's like, okay. Leans in, I go, where's the closest Starbucks? And she's like, oh, downstairs and across the way. I'm like, okay, thank you. <laughs> there are a lot of coffee joints around here, so that's good. Yeah. And they will do, they will have never done the business that they will have done oh god this no. weekend no i bet you they run out of things i bet you they run out of coffee and stock and food because aa like their coffee 
Except yeah. for you. You're one of those weird freaks. No, I'm a tea person. I don't. I like the smell of coffee. Like, I don't know if you guys can hear in the background, but Lisa's brewing a cup of coffee. Gonna go get that. I love the smell of it. I can't deal with the taste. I can't even eat tiramisu because I just... What? No. The only coffee I can eat, I mean have, taste, is coffee crisp. That's it. That's the extent of my coffee. I'm a tea girl. I was raised by a Brit, so we were a house of tea. I see. Strong tea, like high octane, very strong tea. So my sponsor has a booth here where she's selling all kinds of um, jewelry and books and t-shirts. And I picked up a whole bunch of bookmarks in there yesterday. And one of them is really cool. It says, Memories of Alcohol. I drank for happiness and became unhappy. I drank for joy and became miserable. I drank for sociability and became argumentative. I drank for sophistication and became obnoxious. I drank for friendship and made enemies. I drank for sleep and woke up tired. That was me every night. I drank for strength and felt weak. I drank for relaxation and got the shakes. Oh yes. I drank for courage and became afraid. That's the one I identify with most because the after effects of drinking and what it was doing to my body and my brain actually made me way more fearful and anxious. I drank for confidence and became doubtful. I drank to make conversation easier and slurred my speech. Uh I drank to feel heavenly and ended up feeling like hell. Uh, Those last two are ones that really resonate for me. Um, Yeah. I drank for confidence. I can, well, we've talked about this before, pre-drinking to go to a bar. Yeah. Normal people don't fucking do that. No. <laughs> you don't need to amp up before you go to the bar or before you go to dinner uh, and you're meeting somebody new for the first time. Yeah. I so. mean, normal people, it's fine. It's normal. Take a drink off. Take a drink to take the edge off. Yeah. And maybe have a little traveler while you're going to a concert. That's very different than what we're talking about, which is like we can't do shit unless we're already buzzed. Mm-hmm. And then go somewhere to get completely wasted. (laughs) I remember, uh, I used to work in radio, and I remember introducing a concert. And every time I had to introduce a band, like a big band, and I was going to be up in front of, you know, 50,000, 100,000 people, even though you can't see their faces, I still, I was nervous. And my knees would shake, and my hands would shake. And it would take me a few minutes before I would calm down. But Mm -hmm. when you're introing a band, you only have a few minutes. So I would drink beforehand and it was okay there because you're at a concert and people are drinking. It's expected. Yeah. But I'm also supposed to be working. <laughs> Whoops. I, I spent a lot of time in the green room. I loved me a green room. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was food and booze aplenty. And, and I remember. Hookers <laughs> and groupies. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and other fun things. Yep. That and go I, along with the rock star lifestyle. Oh, amazing. And I can remember being up on stage and having, uh, you know, uh, all of a sudden that that effect where you're like, oh, I'm fucked up. <laughs> Happen. As I'm in the middle of introducing a band. Uh-oh. Like, I got to get off the stage. <laughs> that, ugh. Yeah. Not a good feeling. A yeah. very awful feeling. Yeah. So this bookmark, you just read it. Yes. And then on the flip side, it has um, on the beam and off the beam. And we had never heard it really put that way before, and we liked it. Um, So uh, some examples of when we're on the beam, and I think the way you can look at this is um, when I'm working my program, these are good signs that I'm working my program. I'm Uh, going to be honest. 
I'm going to be relying on faith. Um, I'm going to have humility. Uh, I'm going to be grateful, selfless, etc. And then off the beam examples are frightened, dishonest, inconsiderate, prideful, anger, envy, impatient, intolerant. Self-justification, that's a big one. <laughs> Self-pitying. But also self-condemnation is a big one. Yeah. And this, this topic came up yesterday in the newcomer room. If you are new to the ORC, I highly recommend, you know, this, the big speakers are great, but the big room you might find overwhelming. Mm-hmm. The newcomer room is a smaller room, and it's filled with a lot of newcomers, but there are some old timers who go there too to offer some sage experience. Uh, and, you know, if you're looking for a sponsor, ah, that's what I noticed yesterday. They have sponsor liaisons in the newcomer room. No way to like hook up sponsors with sponsees? Yep. A well, male great. and a female. So they have a male and a female. And at the end of the meeting, they stood up and said, because there was a couple people who said, I don't know what a sponsor is. Or I, you know, I don't have a sponsor right now. Um, yeah. You can't really, you can try. Bless you. Oh my goodness. Excuse my rudeness. <laughs> I wonder if we can edit that out. Oh, we never edit. Whatever. Julie yeah. sneezed. Big deal. Um, yeah, you can't really work the 12 steps on your own. You kind of need a, a guide. Oh my God, yeah. Need someone. Please to... do not be feeling around or fumbling around in the dark with these steps. There's no reason you need to be. Because then you're going to be one of those people who leaves and says, AA doesn't work. Well, I like going to newcomer rooms. Like at our group, we have several rooms because our group is big on our closed discussion meetings. So we'll have the one, two, three room, which is often coined as the newcomer room. Um, You know, as Bill sees it, a step room, a tradition room. I like to go to the the newcomer rooms and the one, two, three rooms because that's often where I'm at. It doesn't matter that I've been doing this thing for seven and a half years or mm-hmm. that I just got my five-year medallion. Like that's the stuff that speaks to me most because if I can address my problems at the one, two, three level, yes. the rest are okay. And I need to be where it's raw and real. And we were discussing before, our last podcast was probably um, the heaviest podcast we've done, how yeah. the 12 steps saved our friendship. Um I like that podcast and I like our fellowship and I like the one, two, three room because it's not fucking pretty and it's not tied up nice with a bow and it's open ended and there's questions and maybe not answers. And I, that's where I need to be. Like I'm always more comfortable in the muck than, you know, at the suite at the Sheraton. Yeah. We were talking about, um, what we felt that that, why we felt that podcast was so great. Not to be ego driven. We're amazing, by the so way. Amazing. <laughs> <laughs> but just um, just sort of going over it. I don't know. We don't often do that, but uh, it was like, wow, that was really honest. That was raw, and like Julie said, it was messy, and it's um not closed. It's not an ended discussion. But what I liked about it the most, I would say, is that I hope what it showed is how we are working the twelve steps in our everyday life. And how this really is a daily program. It's mm-hmm. a daily reprieve contingent upon our spiritual condition. And uh, and I think that's why we have such a good friendship. Because we do use the 12 steps and everything. Yeah. Spiritually fit is the difference between you crumbling under the pressures of life and sobriety and not. If I'm spiritually fit, everything else in my world is manageable. And how do I stay spiritually fit? I am in the middle of the boat, in the middle of the ocean of the program. Mm -hmm. 
Um, I am looking at a uh, job change at the moment, and I have been going through an interview process and there's many different stages. And uh, at one point I was checking my email like frantically. Mm -hmm. And, and this is again, one of these main, we talk about this all the time, the gifts of the program. So here for me is another example of a great gift of the program is remembering, because I sometimes forget that I have a higher power and that I have a sponsor and I'm not in this alone. And um, so through this process, I kept checking my email frantically. Like I'm working and I'm pulling over and looking at my phone and checking, did I get an email? Did I get an email? Have I gotten a response? Am I on to phase two? Am I on to phase three? And it was obsessive. It was getting out of control. That was me with online dating. <laughs> checking your profile. <laughs> yeah, yep. <laughs> and, then I, and then I thought, I caught myself. And I'm like, oh my God, this is crazy. You are just like, relax. Let it go. Let go and let God if it's meant to happen, it'll happen and it'll happen and you don't need to respond right away. So you can check it once at the end of the day. It's no big deal. And then I checked it again 30 minutes later. So I prayed and I asked for help and I just asked God to help relieve this, relieve me of this obsession. Mm. And that's the steps, right? Relieve me, help relieve the, the bondage of self, mm -hmm. remove this obsession from my thinking. And uh, what happened at the end of the day? Uh, I left my phone in my vest at work and I hung it up and I forgot about it. And I noticed when I was on the way home and I didn't turn around and I didn't go back. Oh, good for you. That was another progressive yeah. moment. And I acknowledged and accepted that's God working in my life. That's God saying, okay, you asked me for help. Boom. I'm going to make you forget your phone. You can't check your phone if it's not with you. Mm -hmm. And then the second God moment was me saying, okay, I'm not going to freak out. I'm not going to turn around and go back. I just want to go home. It's the end of the day. And then, you know, you have that other thought, but, but, okay, yeah, maybe you can get through the rest of the night without your phone, but then there's all tomorrow morning before you go to work at two o'clock in the afternoon. Again, I just checked my thinking and stopped and asked God for help. And I went home and I didn't check my phone. <clears throat> Got to work the next day. Then I looked at my phone and I had received an email. Oh, no way. Saying, hey, you've been moved on to the next phase. Yep. So that was kind of cool how that happened. It was, And then I told my wife and she's like, isn't that amazing? She said, it's like God answered your, your call. You asked for help. And then not only did you get that help, but you got the answer that you were hoping you'd get. Mm -hmm. So that was kind of cool. It's hard. Like, it sounds all nice and fine that you're talking about it here. But those moments where you're struggling between obsessive thoughts and obsessive actions is not an easy or pretty place to be. Nope. And the first time you, like, when you first come in, when we first come into recovery, that's why it's so hard at the beginning. Because you haven't worked it yet. It's like anything, whether it's meditation, working out this program, it's going to be hard until you get it. Yeah. And you are, and it doesn't mean that it stays easy the whole time because stuff like this comes up yeah. and you're like, oh my God, I have to practice these things right now. Yeah. In all of our affairs. Yeah. And I love that you added that because I was going to say that too. Yeah. Just because we get it doesn't mean that we always remember it or use it. You know, sometimes I need to be jarred and sometimes that's um, uh, an unfulfilled expectation yeah. that jars me into action with my program yeah. or it's um, someone else's disruptive or bad behavior and I'm uh, 
reacting or about to react Mm -hmm. and I am jarred to action and the action in a circumstance like that is to not react. I think we have it all wrong and we think in our contemporary society that we're not supposed to suffer. Things aren't supposed to be hard but we're supposed to be broken. We're supposed to be turned inside out about stuff. That is the way it works and we talk about it as an ax. It says it in the book, and I'm not going to get it right, but it talks about the spiritual axiom of we only grow when we suffer. We only learn how to be joyous when we've been in pain. And so I think once we start to look at it like growth, and it, the more we resist pain, the worse mm-hmm. life is going to be because mm-hmm. it's impossible that we're not going to be there. And there's, you, there's no such thing as failure. I think I don't believe in failure <laughs> as a concept. Except maybe um, thinking you're a failure is a failure. I don't know. <laughs> yeah. But from our mistakes is where we are able to grow and to learn. And there's nobody that doesn't make a mistake mm-hmm. or continues to make mistakes throughout their entire life. It's interesting. There's this book called Daily Reflections. It's an AA book. And uh, today is March 2nd, 2019. And we're at the ORC. Today's reading is about hope. And the one line taken from Alcoholics Anonymous, page 60, says, Do not be discouraged. Few experiences are of less value to me than fast sobriety. Mm. Say that again. Few experiences are of less value to me than fast sobriety. Too many times, discouragement has been the bonus for unrealistic expectations, not to mention self-pity or fatigue, from my wanting to change the world by the weekend. Discouragement is a warning signal that I may have wandered across the God line. Oh, that's good. That is good. I don't need to read the whole thing. I think that's perfect right there. Yeah. Can I see that? Yeah, sure. There were two real good nuggets in there. Few experiences are of less value to me than fast sobriety, meaning... If I get it, I get it quick, I get it easy, and I get there, that's not going to be an asset to me because that will fall back into the recesses of my mind. It's the stuff that I worked hard for that are burned in that I receive the most benefit from. It's you reap what you sow. That's exactly what that means. Mm -hmm. So if I got my sobriety, well, I did the first time around, got it fast and quick, um, relapse snuck up on me. I was just going to say that. So Yeah, sometimes when you get it, easily and quickly um it loses its value for you you don't realize the stake you have in this game because you're like oh well that wasn't so hard that wasn't a big deal okay and then that thought that creeps in next is well maybe i can drink again because mm-hmm. i got this that mm-hmm. wasn't that hard i can do this yeah so yeah sometimes uh that's a good point to bring up i was thinking about this the other day Um, I said in the newcomer room, it took me 14 years to get five. And that means I, I, when I got my five-year medallion, I'd been in this program for 14 years in total. Mm -hmm. So that means I've gone back out. Um, And there was a moment of ego and pride where that felt like a failure to me. Like, what's wrong with me? Because that's my, my thinking. My way of thinking is, you know, not good. So that's why I have a sponsor. I check my thinking with my sponsor. And then the next thought I had was, well, wait a second. Uh, I'm the kid who, when my mom said, don't touch that stove, I did it anyway. Because <laughs> I'm like, why? Why not? Ow! <laughs> oh, that's why. Yeah. Fucking hurts. 
I didn't touch the stove again, but I couldn't just do it based on someone else's experience or what someone else was telling me. That was my experience. So I needed to do it the hard way. And I did this program the hard way too at first, which was my way. Yeah. So. I think often we're afraid of what other people think of us is just a mask for what we actually think of ourselves. Oh, that, where'd you get that? That's good. So much wisdom nuggets in this little brain of mine. Oh, that is good. Say that again. I think often we're afraid of what other people think, but it's just a mask for what we think of ourselves. Yeah. Like me going up to get my desire chip after two and a half years of sobriety wasn't really about what are people going to think of me. It's I thought I was a failure and now I judged me because my perfection mask was totally messed up. Yep. And so I think when we look at it that way, we always think it's about other people. Everyone's always a mere reflection of who we are and it's always bouncing off them and back into me mm-hmm. because what, meet a person that gives you no, this happened to me one time, no visual feedback and all of your own shit is going to come back at you. They don't like me. They're judging me. Oh, she's just jealous of me. That person gave me nothing. Yeah. This was all my own stuff coming to the surface. From your head. Paranoia. Yeah. Judgment. Insecurity. Wow. That's awesome. It's funny. That just reminded me of um, I had a discussion with my friend Sarah And I forget what exactly she was telling me, but she said this thing and it was something that had really helped her. And she's like, and she gave this quote and I'm like, that is fucking brilliant. Where did you get that? She starts laughing. She's like, uh, it's something you said I wrote down last year. (laughs) Like, oh, well, probably didn't come from me. Probably came from something I heard in AA, but. Yeah. When people tell me stuff like that, what you said, I always, (laughs) if I don't remember it, I'm always like, that was God. God. That was not me. Because if I, trust me, I'll remember the remarkable stuff I did. (laughs) If I don't remember it, it can't be me. Mm -hmm. So I can't take credit for it. But what I also love too is if we go to and hear somebody speak after this, which we're going to go do. We're going to go hear one of our group mates speak. We're very excited. Um, She may say something that you hear completely different than I do. Mm -hmm. And you're going to retain something that I won't. Right. And that's just because I think there are embedded messages from our higher power in the universe that come through people all the time. Mm-hmm. It speaks to us. Yeah. What might speak to me might not speak to you. I remember I read something. Uh, it was about a prayer. And I was so excited about this prayer. And then I shared that with you. And you're like, yeah, no, I don't like that. I'm I like, remember. Oh, okay. <laughs> It was like, we were going to record a podcast and you're like, this is amazing. I think we should read this on the podcast. And as you're reading it, I'm like, yeah, no. No, not feeling it. (laughs) And you're like, like, okay then. Um, I still like it. What do you want to talk about? (laughs) Still rang true for me, but that's all right. So yeah, should we get to a meeting? Yes. What time is it? Can't see that clock over there. It's 1230 and I need at least two hours to get ready to be presentable. So... (laughs) Oh my God. And I need to go eat. So (laughs) hangry. Yes. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us. Homely and hangry. Anxious. I need to go get hopeful. (laughs) So um, if you're down here in Toronto, we hope that if you've just listened to this podcast, you get yourself down to the Sheraton. Um, We are on Queen Street, just across from City Hall. And uh, it's the ORC 2019. We are so happy to be here. And maybe we will move this podcast down to the hallway so we can have people just pop in. And wouldn't that be fun? Oh, my God, yes. Just see who wants to come and chit-chat with us. I thought about that in the main lobby there. Yeah. 
and um, see if anyone wants to come. We'll see if the sound quality will work. We'll give them like two minute sound bites. Like, tell us in two minutes what's the best thing you heard today, or what's your nugget of wisdom you're taking away from today. Because you know you got to wrangle us in. We're all so jacked up here. Do not give someone a microphone with unlimited time. It's crazy. Yeah. yeah. Luke's running the newcomer room right now, and he found that yesterday. He's like, I'm handing the mic over to people, and then I want to take it back, and they're not ready yet. Yeah. That's why you always – my pastor, my previous pastor was like, if you want to give someone a mic, don't let it go. Always keep your hand on the mic so you can yes. bring it back when you need to. Yep. That's a that's a broadcasting thing too. Is it? Yeah, everybody wants to hold the mic, and you're like, "Don't touch that! No, <laughs> <laughs> let go, my mic!" Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. Always a pleasure. It's snowing in Toronto. Thanks, Julie. Thank you. Wonderful to be here with you. Mm. My heart, mate. Yes. Okay. This has been Two Sober Chicks. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Drop us an email at the number two soberchicks at gmail.com. You can catch us also under that same handle on Instagram, Facebook, and Twitter. Twitter. <laughs> Which I very rarely use. I like it sometimes. Like, oh, we put a podcast up. That's about it. That's all you're going to get on Twitter. But Instagram. Instagram is where it's at. Oh. You can also direct message us there if you like. You did that. I didn't even know you'd done that. And then somebody said, hey, I think Julie did a, an Instagram about you. What did it say? The, the poem I wrote yeah. about you? Oh, I didn't post that to two sober chicks. I could. Oh, it was a, oh, yeah. It's on my other accounts. Well, interesting because we did just talk about that in the last podcast, right? Yeah. And, I wrote uh, that after you left my place that day that oh, we chatted. Yeah. I don't know. They might be interested in that poem. Okay. So I'm going to put that on there right now. Julie is an amazing artist with words. Oh my God. You are. Thank you. Yep. Okay. I was so touched. Hmm, no one's I'm ever written a poem were... about me before. Hmm. Yeah. It just flowed out. It was beautiful. So listen to the, the last podcast about how AA saved our friendship. And then you can go check out this poem that Julie wrote on Two Sober Chicks on Instagram. All right. All right. Have a great day. Bye. We love you.